Welcome to another bonus episode of the Bridge Church Podcast. Well, welcome back. This is our last bonus episode for now. There may be some more, but for now, it's our last one in our eschatology series, and it's a special one. We have Naomi DeVries. Welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Naomi is our kids pastor, and today, this episode is for a whole bunch of people. It may be for parents. It may be for aunties, uncles, grandparents, godparents, because we're going to be thinking about the study of the end times and some of the questions and issues that kids are grappling with. Name's given me a whole bunch of questions that kids have asked throughout this series. And I just want some rapid fire answers and see how you would go about answering them. Because I'm sure many people have experienced getting asked these questions on the way back from church. So here we go. I love this one. Naomi, in heaven, will Jesus need to have a shower? Well, Andrew. <laughs> We're going to have perfect bodies in heaven. Jesus has a perfect body that doesn't get stinky or sweaty. So he might not need to have a shower, but if he likes showers, maybe he'll have them. What if heaven isn't real? What do you think about that, Andrew? I wasn't prepared for you to answer the question back. <laughs> that would be how I'd say. <laughs> what do you think about that? What would happen if it wasn't real? I like that. So turn the question back turn on. Turn the question back. We'll talk about, about strategies in a little while, but... Uh, you could say, what do you think about that? This was actually a live scenario at Mega Monday. And the child said, oh, if this wasn't real, then this world would be terrible. And we explored it a bit and she said, I think it's real and I'm really, you know, and I'm, I trust in Jesus. So, yeah, that was how I answered that one. Mm. What about if a kid asks you about their unbelieving family members? You know, will my auntie, will my uncle be there in heaven as well? What would yeah. you say to that? Yeah, and I think we get asked that a bit and, it, and that's quite a sensitive question. But yeah, again, exploring it with them. You know, how do we know if we're going to be in heaven? How can we be confident if we're going to be there? If our friends and family aren't there, what can we do to talk to them about Jesus? We can pray for them. So giving them some tools to be able to share Jesus with them. Yeah. Naomi, how old will I be in heaven? Well, Andrew, I think you are going to be the perfect age. You're going to be young like a child with energy and enthusiasm and inquisitiveness, but you're going to be old enough to be able to do things by yourself and not get into trouble. Gee, you're good, Naomi. That's why the kids pass their brilliant work. <laughs> Give us some strategies and tools. When we're faced with a conversation with a kid about some of these questions, what are some things that adults should keep in mind as they go about those conversations? Yeah, there's a lot of research into questions with children and children's faith. And the research is showing that questions are one of the really big things, one of the big sticking points for children either to stay with their faith or to walk away. So if children feel like their questions are dismissed and they don't have opportunity to ask questions or express doubts, they will not stick with their faith. Wow. Uh, is what the research is saying. So it's really important as a church family, uh, at home, in different contexts, if you're hanging out with kids and you're a Christian aunt, uncle, godparent, friend, if children ask you questions, it is really important to give them your attention and to help them feel um, like they're being heard, that they have the opportunity to ask questions, to explore questions, to express doubts. Because, yeah, we want to help our kids stick with their faith long term. 
So a few tips and things and strategies. So I'm just going to take the scenario of being a parent at home. I think one of the big things is to make sure we don't ignore or dismiss questions. It's Mm. very easy to either just totally ignore them or to just placade them or to just dismiss them and go, that's a dumb question. So it's very easy to just go dump, here's the answer. And that's not actually helpful either. Sometimes you have to just do that because you you haven't got the time. Or in that situation, the best thing to say is that's a really interesting question and let's make a time to talk some more about that. So we want to make sure we are validating questions and giving our kids our time and attention to answer questions. But answer is probably not the word I'd use at that point either. To explore questions is probably more what I'd like to go with. So we want to listen, give them our attention and our interest And then we want to explore the question with them. So it's easy to get panicky. They might be asking you a really hard, tricky question and you just want to panic. Mm. The best thing to do at that point, if they've asked you some really difficult question that you find quite anxiety provoking, something that makes you worried or, yeah, makes you upset, just have a breath and try and work out with that child what is behind the question. Sometimes they'll be asking a very difficult question But that's not actually what they're thinking about. Mm. They're actually thinking about something much more pragmatic behind the scenes. So try to get to the question behind the question. Try to get to what they're thinking about, what's motivating the question. I I love that because it's no different with adults. Right. right? Like I think about when you're talking with someone whose friend is not a believer and they ask you questions. You want to do the same thing, don't you? Right. And they're often asking this very difficult question, but behind it is a is a pastoral concern. Mm. Same with children. They've had some incident in the playground or something's happened and they're feeling really upset and worried about that. Or there's something that's playing around in their heads that they've been thinking about. So try and try and just slow down a bit and, and ask some questions. What are you thinking about? Why are you asking this question? Is there something you're thinking about is a really great sort of way of framing that. And so the goal is actually to help our children learn to think for themselves and answer questions for themselves. And so to learn wisdom, right, that is our goal as parents and as adults is to help our children become wise, to have a framework for viewing the world and understanding themselves in it and to have a right relationship with Jesus. And so we're trying to help them think about a framework, a way of answering questions for themselves. Whereas if we just give them the answer, we're not teaching them how to think, um, how to grow and how to wrestle with things themselves. So what we want to do is take them on a little journey and help them to think about the question. And our goal is to help them grow in their faith and confidence, right, in Jesus and see the goodness of Jesus ultimately in a difficult situation that they might be facing. So, and a good place to start is to help them to think about what they do know about this particular scenario. So say we were thinking about my uncle who is not going to be in heaven. You could start to talk about, okay, what do we do know? So we know, what do we know about heaven? What do we know about getting to heaven? Mm. What do we know about Jesus? What is Jesus like? So start exploring what they do know and give them a framework to go from what they do know to what they don't know and work out what are the gaps, what are the things they're trying to work out. And then then you can give them some tools and kind of go, okay, so we know that heaven is a good place. It's a place we all want to be. We know that to get to heaven or to have life with Jesus, we need to trust in him. How do we trust in Jesus? Well, it's by hearing the good news of Jesus. Okay, so for Uncle Paul, who doesn't know Jesus, 
and we want him to be to heaven, what are the steps that he needs to go through to get to heaven? Okay, well, he needs to hear about the good news of Jesus, put his trust in Jesus, and then we can be confident that he's going to be there. Okay, and what's my part to play in that? So you can kind of take them on a journey to Mm. thinking it through. But you also want to acknowledge the emotion. It makes me really sad when I think about Uncle Paul not being in heaven. How does that make you feel? You know, and you want to have a conversation about the emotions around it as well. So it's easy to just stay with the pragmatic. But I think, again, we're doing our kids a disservice. We need to go to the emotions and we need to pastor them and skill them in how to handle the emotions. That makes me feel sad. I wonder what God feels if I feel sad about that. Imagine what Jesus is feeling right now about Uncle Paul as well. You know, Jesus loves him so much that he died for him. Do you think he wants him to miss out on heaven and life with God? No. And so taking them to the Father heart of God and seeing the goodness of Jesus in it as well will help grow our kids and their confidence in Jesus. So help them think about what they do know and then take them on that journey to work out, okay, well, what don't we know? What do we need to fill in? What are the gaps? Show them how you think about the question. So we want to model the life of faith to our kids. And so model to them how I think about it. So you can say to them, well, these are some of the things that I think about. These are some of the things that I feel. What do you think about that? Do you think that's right? And sometimes we don't get it right. You can talk to them. Sometimes we don't know and we have to do more work. Mm. And you can model that to them as well. So it's very okay to say you don't know. Say it's something I haven't thought about. Say it's something maybe I need to do more thinking about and explain to them the process you'd go on. Yeah. So take them on the journey, modeling even how you you handle questions and emotions is how you disciple your kids. Do you open the scriptures with yeah, them? Yeah, so open the Bible with them. That's a really important thing to do, depending on their age. But take them, I, sometimes I'll just explain. So we had a situation with our children where one of them was lying to us. And, you know, and I, you know, quoted to them a proverb, you know, said a passage to them. Do you know that the devil is a liar? Do you want to be a child of his? Or are you a child of God who speaks, you know, and God is truth and light? You know, what does it mean to be a child of someone and what does it mean to be like them? You know, and the look on my poor child's face, you know. But, um, but you know, and then just to be able to say, well, if God is truth and we walk in truth, yeah. that means lying is not okay. You know, different scenario, but the Bible is ultimately where we want to go and show them God's truth. I think that's just gold, Naomi, because you've given us a framework. You've given us some tools in our toolbox to engage those conversations, but you've kind of taken some of the pressure off because you've shown us we don't need to be a theologian. We don't need to have a theological degree. That's really freeing actually. Um, and often these conversations are ongoing. You might start a con- You don't have to answer it all at once. Right. And you can might start a conversation. And, you know, Deuteronomy 6 talks about, you know, the, having those conversations as you're walking down the road, as you're doing different things. And often these conversations are ones that will come up again and again and again, and you can keep building on them over time. Yeah. So can we talk about a case study, Mm. certainly related to eschatology, death and dying. I remember when I was a kid in in year four, my best friend's mum died Mm. and um, I was with him on the day that it happened. I spent the Mm. whole day with him. And I, I mean, looking back, I have no idea how to process that. And I think I did some really unhelpful things on that day as a year four boy. And, and that's happening to so many kids. You know, they're having these experiences maybe in their own immediate family. How do you talk with a kid about death and dying? Mm. I think we need to start these conversations early. And we want to give our kids tools and resources so that when things do happen in life, they've already got some frameworks and some tools and resources rather than coming to be in year four mm. and be like, oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. So I think 
our world, there is death and dying all around us. Like as you walk down the path with a toddler and they see the dead possum in the road or they see the squished snail, like you can start conversations very early. Oh, look, that's dead. What is it like when it's dead? Oh, it doesn't move. You know, like, <laughs> um, and you can talk about there are things in our world that die. And uh, I think it's really important to have those conversations with our children early. And again, like I was saying, we want to acknowledge the emotions that go with it as well. The Bible constantly has stories about people who die and grief. And so as we're reading through God's word with children, we will come across these stories. And so they will build an understanding as well. And not to be afraid of reading stories about, you know, the the young girl that dies or different stories. I think one of my favorite books is about the goodbye to goodbyes. It's written... Um, about Lazarus and just how Jesus will one day wipe away all tears. And I think reading those things with children is just part of your daily diet, is building a framework for them that death is part of our world, but there is life after death and Jesus has power over it. That grief is part of our, our life and our experience. Yeah, and so you're already building kind of an understanding and a framework for them. I can share a personal kind of journey that we went on as as a family. So we told our children after we had Wesley, uh, we had a bit of a gap and we were wanting a fourth child, but we're sort of not sure whether we should because I'd had some medical complications and then I fell pregnant unexpectedly and we were very excited about the baby. And at about eight, nine weeks, we told my extended family and our children. And then a few days later, I had a miscarriage when I was with my whole extended family and our children. So it was everybody knew that I had lost the baby. And I was about 10 weeks by that point. And so we had to go on this journey of conversation with our children about miscarriage, about death, about dying. You know, Russ and I were very, you know, we were grief stricken, you know, we were very course, sad. Yeah. You know, we, we talked to them at length about how sad we were. They saw us cry. But we also were able to have a conversation with them about the hope of heaven at that point and say, well, we believe that this baby is with Jesus and that one day we're going to meet them. And so we could have conversations about what, you know, what age the baby would be, what gender they were, because we didn't know. We'd talk about what they would look like. And so we had a number of conversations over time, over those weeks with the children about that. And they were able to have that conversation with our extended family as well because they all knew as well. And so at different points I would talk to my parents about the baby and different things. And then God gave us Gwyneth and I fell pregnant and the kids were quite anxious about that. And they kept saying to me, what if this baby dies? And I said, well, we, you know, that's in God's hands and every person is a gift um, and we all have a beginning and an end and that's in God's hands. And then, oh, actually before that, at Christmas time, my sister had given us a bauble to put on the tree that had joy written on it, which was for the baby. And so we had a family tradition at Christmas time of putting, and we still put it on the Christmas tree and we talk about the baby that's with Jesus in heaven. And then we had Gwyneth and a few months after Gwyneth was born, so this is, you know, nearly sort of two years after the miscarriage, I had Gwyneth in the little pouch, you know, walking home from school and Ewan was holding her hand and he said to me, I'm so glad she made it, you know, and he was still thinking at that point about life and about death. And I was like, having gone on that journey with the kids, I think I'm hoping and praying that there'll be men and husbands and fathers who are very sensitive to life 
beginnings and ends. They are already experienced about grief. Um, they've watched the impact that has on my body and on my tears and they've seen all that and journeyed all that. And I just pray that that is something that will really set them up for life in terms of how they understand grief and death and dying. And I think as we model grief, we also model joy. You know, as we held Gwen and brought her into the world, the joy as a family was so immense. I've never seen them once get cranky at her <laughs> because they have welcomed her with such joy, right? Because they realize what a gift she is. And so I think, yeah, we've been on a whole journey as a family in terms of understanding grief and understanding joy and seasons of life. And you model to your kids in that process that life has its ups and its downs. Just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm going to be protected from death and sadness and grief. The Christian life is one of suffering and pain because our world is broken. And so we disciple our kids as we model to them how we journey through disappointment, through pain, through grief. And if we do that in an open way, we give them the opportunity to see and to experience and to have it modelled to them. Thank you for your honesty and thanks for giving us a, a bit of a framework about how to have these conversations. The book Naomi mentioned, Goodbye to Goodbyes, I was going to recommend that as well, a fantastic book. The other one is The Moon is Always Round by Jonathan Gibson. I don't know if you've mm, read that read one. That. Yeah. I'm just reading the blurb here, just reminding myself. In this book, he allows readers to eavesdrop on the conversations he had with his young son in response to his sister's death. I've heard great things about that book yeah. and flicked through it in a bookstore before. Both those books absolutely recommend. Thanks for joining us, Naomi. And thanks to all the listeners for sticking with us through these bonus episodes. We hope that you have been built up in the Lord Jesus. <laughs>